0: and welcome to another part of this multi-part sequel monster of the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast. How many parts have they stacked on top of each other? What is this? Is it a Frankenstein? Is it a Franken-tower? Is it a big Franken-tiered
1: cake? Is it a franken lasagna Full of uh, bechamel, (laughs) meat
0: sauce, and then just nuts and bolts? And board games? And then electricity? Whoa! What is it? They put that into a podcast? Are you freaking kidding me? I can't believe it. This is all of those things in one in a delicious podcast special We're back talking about more of the games that we played at PAX Unplugged Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness, this has got heavy games in it, this one. (sighs) Last time we talked about like silly games like Skull King, games where you like go yo-ho-ho, we talked about Strike where you throw dice into a box Yeah,
1: that's uh, a lot going on in that Now we're going
0: to talk about games where you do nuclear power Mm -hmm. games where you save the Earth from bad climate where you try and conquer a planet made of sand Right and where you drive a car really fast and blow it up. Yeah. I wanna yeah, play that last all, one. I
1: wanna play a game that does all four of those things.
0: Nuclear car blast sand earth game. Yep. I could have come up with something better than that, but I just said I mean the I words. think I was
1: pretty solid. Nuclear I think you did a really blast. good good
0: job saying words. Thanks. It's part of my job. What game are we gonna do first, Tom? What game are we gonna do first? We're gonna talk about very briefly, mm-hmm. we're gonna do our teaser <gasps> for a piece of content, a video that we're going to do next year about
1: All the Dune. Walking it back. Now yeah. Desert style. You're gonna
0: make me regret. I'm gonna I'm gonna ham this up
1: slightly. Yeah, you're gonna regret me
0: saying that I uh, now I'm a Dune Imperium fan. Yay, we got him. Ladies and
1: gentlemen, we got him.
0: Uh, the audience may recall that a long time ago, not that long ago, we did a Dune Imperium (laughs) video review where me and Quins and Ava all were mean about that game. But it was a different time. I was wrong, it was a different time. We said the game wasn't good. It is, in fact, pretty damn good. Yeah. Actually, I won't say pretty damn good. I'll go ahead and say it's very good. It's very good. It's very good.
1: Um, Which is nice, because at the time we played it and everyone else was like, I don't like this. Yeah. It's derivative and not interesting and boring and I hate it. And I had the sense at the time that A, everybody we else wrong. might be slightly wrong, <laughs> but also that B, maybe everyone was just completely fed up with playing games on Tabletop Simulator yeah. and hadn't clocked that that was why they were feeling bad and not. I mean, I think maybe because I've had spicy brain for such a long time, I'm very, I'm still wrong a lot of the time, but I'm, <laughs> I'm very open to being attuned to the possibility that like maybe the way I feel about things is not related to the things. And I'm always looking for it because right. uh, if you've worked for a professional, as a, a professional critic for a long time, you do run the risk sometimes of saying this is rubbish or yes. this is amazing and yes. then looking back on it going, actually, maybe I was just really happy or really angry that yeah. day. Oopsie doopsie. That was more when I worked for an Xbox magazine and would sometimes be like, review this game in 20 words and you <laughs> need to come back to me in about three hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, which might not seem fair, but sometimes that's how you get the truth. <laughs> sometimes that's how you get somebody who's slightly hungover and needed to eat a bagel.
0: Sometimes you get a review that's like a 6 out of 10 for Dark Souls or something like that. Yeah, I
1: mean, gosh, I almost did that. Mm. In the end, I gave it a 9,
0: but yep. I was oscillating between 6 and 9. Anyway, carry on. Dune Imperium is a good game. Uh, it's a great game. I enjoyed it very much. I'm walking back my critique of it. I think that at the time when we played it, I think yeah you're completely right Tabletop Simulator played a huge factor into how I understood that game I think I here's my things I remember I remember it being a weird deck builder and that was the thing I didn't enjoy about it was that I was like, you're asking me to play a deck builder and the deck building is not very good. Right. And that was my that was my big sort of critical problem with it. But my problem with it that was sort of detached from that, but it's obviously still part of the game was that I just remember it taking absolutely ages. I remember being a really long, drawn out game where I wasn't making many interesting decisions because I felt that deck building part was not Great, yeah. And I think playing it again, there are two things. One, we played it much quicker. We played it as a snappy hour and a half game. That uh, first game we played of it took a little longer, but mm-hmm. that was because we were relearning a lot of the rules, all the motions. But that second game was tight. It was fast. brutal. It was fast. It was fun. It yeah. was really like frothy and and just it was great i really enjoyed it
1: i think it's like the the king of ameritrash you know that classic sure. like i feel like fantasy flight used to make games like that a long time ago yes. they haven't for a long time and i'm excited to see what the studio continues to do because yep. it's just like this is a fun slightly trashy game that's actually pretty tight yeah like, a, i think a super
0: i think odd blend of mechanics i but say
1: trashy like in a very gentle way yeah
0: like, i think it's good yeah i i completely agree i think it's this really odd blend of systems that's going on but they click together in a way that is like hyper thematic and like really like it's a it's a game about like realizing that you can do a cool thing on yeah. your turn rather than like building your whole game around doing that yes cool thing
1: and i think the tangibility comes into it as well yeah i feel like the tokens you're using and the cards um All it's, it's very much like a physical game in, in Mm -hmm. terms of how it thrives but then i think you were saying like you're already like is there an app for this is there an app i want to play the video game version of this i feel like it is a very video gamey card game i would also say in the um tom from three years ago or two years ago's defense that when we played it we were playing with some of the expansion stuff which does make the deck building a lot richer completely in the base game yes i think the base game deck building is not super spicy it's simple and you can jump straight into it and have fun but yeah, I think it's it's arguably a lot better with all this extra stuff.
0: I think I didn't identify what the core of it was, which is not like the deck building is, isn't is like the core of the game. No. It's not like this this sort of, it isn't a deck building game. It is exactly what it says it is, which is a combination of worker placement and deck building. And I still think there's areas in which that could be, spicier and more exciting but i think a lot of that is teased out by those expansions 100 deck building's better they've reworked some of the spaces and i'm now very 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 keen to try out the sequel standalone yep. expansion alone whatever you're going to call it dune colon imperium hyphen uprising <laughs>
1: So many yep. little bits and bobs of punctuation going on. No, I'm excited. So this is huge news for Shut Up and Sit Down. Mm-hmm. I am no longer uh, the kind of black sheep of the website. Yeah, there are now literally two of us. I prefer it to
0: Dune, the old Dune. Wow.
1: Yeah. Ah, oh, you've got to, you've got to save this as a secret. I will hope that Quinns doesn't listen to this episode of the podcast before you get a chance to speak to him on one next time, mm. and you have to get him on at some point, yeah. on camera, with that revelation. Roast him. Just to see the horror on his face. <laughs> he'll be he'll be distraught, he'll be, he'll be, be upset. Oh, I don't damn. know how he'll react. He might hurt someone. But yeah, I'm excited. We're going to come back to that game again uh, in video form in the future, for sure. Yeah. With expansions, maybe uprising, we don't know. But I'm proud of you, Tom. Thanks. You know, it takes a lot to admit that you are wrong. Yeah. I mean, I f- never admit <laughs> I'm wrong.
0: <laughs> Ever! The fact that we were like, oh yeah, let's just quickly talk about this. Almost as an administrative, let's get this out of the way. And then we're like, Oh, this is actually like, this game is so good. We're excited to talk about it. I'm glad I stuck to my guns and was like, no, this is good.
1: Correct. Thank you.
0: you. Let's get into the big stuff. We played a game called Nucleum Mm -hmm. after PAX Unplugged because it's not the kind of game I wanted to play at the convention itself in a big, loud room. We played it on a little table with three people. Actually, a big table with three people. It's a big game. We took our time. It's big.
1: And this is very much in the same way that we talked about in the last podcast, how you look at a game that's kind of things on a map and you're like, yeah, this is a board game. This is the same, but kind of almost like Euro style. Yes. Of being like, oh, there's little little slots for tiles Mm -hmm. and there's little... Pathways that I can be building roots
0: on it Looks like
1: infrastructure's gonna happen Ooh, There's all these weird little cardboard shits And I don't know what they do yet A billion but, um, pieces of iconography and a poor reference yeah. For them Like All of this is absolute chaos But in about 25 minutes I'm gonna understand what <laughs> all of this means I'm gonna be the master of my domain It's gonna be like my natural language <laughs> Speaking iconography <laughs> to my children Um, I was quite delighted by this one You took a little longer to come around on it I did And I think that's fair because initially, it does very much look like somebody's gone. What if Brass Birmingham, but different and more? Yes. And that, understandably, is a proposition which is hard-baked with like some problems. Mm, of being of like, you are trying to
0: riff on what is arguably, mm-hmm. in many people's eyes, one of the best games ever made. Arguably, in many people's eyes, the number one game of all time as written by Board Game Geek. Exactly.
1: Right? absurd. So... That, admittedly, is a tough thing to overcome, mm-hmm. even though it does have that classic thing of being like, well, is it as good a game as perhaps Birmingham? It's like, well, w- tell me what else is, you know, yeah. these days. It's a difficult uh, bar that it sets for a itself. A very high bar. But then also, it doesn't immediately look like it's going to do much more than that. Yeah, And then, I think it does. And I, I was quite surprised by... Um, How much I enjoyed it And how much I wanted to play it again So the way it works roughly Is you have uh, This map of different locations German cities Classic um, Or was it Austrian cities?
0: Can't remember Leipzig was there Well that's definitely German Prague was on there? That's not That's not German That's not German It's not German It's Europe It's Europe Congratulations You know it But this time you don't
1: Yeah right Because now there's nuclear power (gasps) Imagine that Wow What you're going to be doing is you're going to be building different types of buildings, residential, uh, industry, commercial, governmental,
0: electric. I don't know.
1: (laughs) If you've played Brass or Brass Birmingham, where you have a board in front of you covered in these little wooden tiles of things that you're going to be building, these buildings, it's the same thing here. You have all these different types of buildings. You're placing on the map. You're building up a network. Are you building a network? By building train lines. No canals here. Straight to trains. Just trains. And then as you build out your networks, you're going to be able to get access to resources that you're going to need to power these buildings. So yep. you're going to be like powering up these different
0: residential buildings or things and getting Points and unlocks and things. Yeah, your sort of ultimate goal is to connect your building to a source of power, which might be a uh, uranium-powered nuclear plant Mm -hmm. or just a standard coal power plant. Yeah, and then you also need a source for the things that power the power plants. Yes. So if it's uranium one, you need to have a mine. If it's the coal one, you need to have access to coal. To the shops. To the shops of the coal, which are really similar to the Brass Birmingham shop exactly. The market where it's just like a big market of coal that gets more expensive kind of as the game progresses
1: it's just in this it's just coal
0: it's just coal you want
1: iron we don't have any we uh-uh. sold out. our
0: iron is green and it's called
1: uranium and it's good uranium deal with it yeah i want that on a t-shirt so anyway the thing about it is you don't want coal mm-hmm. right coal sucks it's not great it's
0: expensive and inefficient
1: and it gets more expensive as the game goes on because every time anyone buys it it's not like the markets in in brass birmingham of like you know maybe it'll go up maybe it'll go down mm-hmm. It just goes down. Yes. Coal just gets more expensive. Yes. Uranium is forever. <laughs> Except it's not. It's really hard to get your hands on it. You have to build quite a few mines to get like a decent quantity of it. And it's yep. very powerful. But it's not that much more powerful than coal initially. No. And right, you have to use a lot of it to power up some of the high-end buildings. Yep. It means that the arc of the game was quite interesting in the fact that you were trying to build up this network of connected places, so you could maybe then spend maybe three uranium cubes to power a building Mm. in a way that would get you loads of points. Yes, The way that the shared ecosystem worked, though, I thought was quite interesting. The fact Mm. that Early in the game, you have this mechanic whereby you can kind of reset your round whenever you
0: want to a degree. Yeah, it's like on your turn, you have basically some very, very simple options. You can either play one of these little action tiles, which are the core of the game. You can play it as an action, which lets you take one of the actions, like, um, I don't know, buying some more actions from the market more tiles from the market or powering one of your buildings is one of those action tiles or instead you can flip them over and turn them into a railway track on the board where they give you the action and they'll give you a second part of the action when it's connected to another thing if the colours match if the colours match (laughs) but that will also be what builds you the routes that you're building throughout the game like so you will have to spend actual actions not just the turn you're taking but also your ability to take that action to build up a route, and then maybe you'll have to source more of that action if you want to take it later on.
1: Which is smart, because basically what you've got here is a deck builder. Sure. It's just that, that you're not holding cards in your hand, you're, you're holding, holding these tiny little cardboard ovals. Yeah, which is your whole deck at once, yeah, essentially. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so like, you know, each time you draw up your whole deck, hand. your yeah. whole <laughs> hand, but then like if you want, you can get loads of them. Like you could just go to the shop and buy. So you've got like, you know, 12 of them. Right. So you have more options on your turn for doing things you want. At the same time, you could have a spelt little thing and you can get rid of things mm. uh, that, you, that you don't want. Or sometimes I enjoyed the fact that matching these colors felt like such a rarity that if you could match it in a way that would mean you get both of those actions mm. now and complete that route. It really did tease and tempt me into like getting rid of tiles
0: action tiles that otherwise I really wanted to hold. Yeah, And I was like, oh, but is it worth it? I played the game very differently in that I was chucking away Like monumentally, so many more tiles than either of the other two people playing the game, you and Rand. Like, I was just smacking down those tiles on the board constantly. Yeah, I use them almost always for their little color bonus and almost never for the actual actions on the board. So, I was playing with like maybe four or five tiles for the whole game, whereas both of you had like 10 or 12 in front of you at any given time. And the networks were
1: brutal. We didn't Mm. really see the shape of it until later in the game, but the fact that, yeah if you want to be able to connect things, you need to have a part of that network. You yes. don't necessarily have to have the whole railway line, no, but you, you need can to share. Have maybe one of the two slots. Correct. But if you didn't get those, then suddenly areas of the map were just inaccessible to you. Yeah, like completely locked off in a way that's so brutal. And then the fact that you can choose to end your round effectively and get your tiles back again, mm. but in a way that kind of moved you up this... Star Trek, that was a bit like one of those things in the fairground where you hit a thing with a bell with a hammer and it goes
0: up. Yeah. Uh, the more board gamey <laughs> way of explaining that is that it has the Great Western Trail system, but basically you just choose what well, your reset is you going to Cam- Kansas. Yeah. You're basically going like, I'm resetting. And then I'm cashing in the points that I have to go somewhere on this marker. And if you don't manage to do better, like, well, you don't need to do better each time, but if you don't manage to have any of the currency at all to spend on going up that track, you're going to lose a whole bunch of points. Yes. And then when everyone resets, there's a majority, like who's highest on that track, will then score a whole bunch of extra points. So There's an incentive to go as high as you possibly can straight away, but that's going to pull against your ability to out. I mean, gosh, the like, this is the thing, like the, the level of texture within
1: that mechanic alone yes. was pretty wild in the fact that yeah yeah you want to be getting as high as you can on that track but each time you end your turn, mm-hmm. because that means you're going to be getting points. Right. However, at the end of the game, for the end of the game scoring, you might actually want to be having a spread of positions on it. Like You want to be yes. highest,
0: but also have some in the middle and some down low, because where you are on that track gives you access to different endgame scoring conditions. Exactly. So if and you're in the middle, you might get points for like government buildings, or at the top, you get points for tech. Or uh, And the
1: first players to put stars on those tracks get oh to goodness. place the nuclear reactors on the board, basically defining where you're even going to be able to process your in the game yeah exactly there's just just a lot going on there is a lot going um but in a really enjoyable way and i really enjoyed the fact that as you're using these actions you're then also building up a track that defines how far along the the bars of bonus things you can get for money and workers next round it's just such a crazy interlocking system of systems Mm -hmm. but fundamentally what you're trying to do is just make some uranium (laughs) and then get access to it and hopefully not have to use other people's things too much for that because you had mechanics whereby like the amount of uranium you could process in a power plant at any one time was defined by the number of fans that power plant oh had. God, yeah. If other people had fans there, you had to pay them to use their fans. It felt crunchy in a way that Brass Birmingham does and mm. also broad in the same way. It didn't have the spice. It didn't have, there was no beer right? There's no beer. There's no beer. There's no kind of like element of me going, well, actually I'm going to use your thing. Yeah. And you're, you're going to get compensation for it, but that might not be what you want. Your uranium yes. is your uranium. <laughs> it's up to you what you spend it on. Yeah. And when
0: there's that interactivity in the root building that is very reminiscent of brass yes. with a little bit more shared ownership, but there's nothing quite as mean as brass. And also I think a lot of those complications take away from when you get what brass is doing when you understand all the rules i think the game underneath it isn't horribly complicated which allows it to be interactive in a way that is very like confrontational direct like you can really pay attention to what your opponent is doing and really like you know just scoop the win out from under them by pipping them to the post at the right time what everyone has access to be able to do in nucleum is messy like it is hard to gauge player intention um it's hard to gauge what they can even do at any given time and i think that side of things pushes it away from brass as a direct comparison it is much more of a multiplayer solitaire puzzle than brass is which is a much more direct and confrontational game
1: yeah i agree i agree but it still has enough of that like um You know, sometimes you'd have a turn where somebody would do a little chain and a satisfying thing. If I "I do this, gets me do that, and then I combo combo and do that. Little little combo, but it was never so extreme that you'd be like, "Oh gosh, I couldn't have seen that coming." Mm, It was always like, you know, you should have built that railway track (laughs) like two turns ago, and you didn't. And now you can't. Yes. In a way that was just like, dang, I was just too slow. You always felt just too slow rather than like, well, how did you do that? That's not (laughs) fair. Um, But there was just a lot of satisfying crunchiness going on. And the way in which you did feel like you could have turns where you felt
0: very clever and Mm -hmm. you'd be like, I've just done this and then this and then this. People be like, what? Was very... Yeah, very fun and i think all of that as well just thinking about long combo turns is that like the turns are so simple that it does have in common with brass in that what you do in your turn is like one thing and it's like you just do it like it's, yep. it's so direct and straightforward that you are always making decisions and those decisions are always short mm-hmm. and they lead you on to another one like it, it's snappy yeah. which is and, surprising because it does not look it
1: no that was the biggest surprise actually is the snappiness the yeah. fact that you think oh god this is just super crunch but in a way i think that having things like the way that when you place an action tile to be a Mm route the way that you have this sort of like if the color matches on this side you get this action on that Mm -hmm. side both both was actually really helpful in terms of like you'd think something like that would add more crunch but actually i feel like it stripped away some of that crunch because when you're like well i need to place one of these as a track which one should i do yes yes just the feeling of like, well, I get to do two actions here. Yeah, I should do it. I'll do that. Mm-hmm. Versus being like, yeah, but this one I get to do one, but it's much more useful for me. Now, that's mm-hmm. a moment where you feel clever, but also you've been pushed into making a decision in a way that it yeah. doesn't feel like you've been forced. You feel like you've had a hand in it. And I think the game has lots of things like that, where you realize, ah, but if I do that, so you always feel like you have a sensible next option. Mm-hmm. The moments I enjoyed of feeling smart, might not have even been smart, and that's cool because it's not it doesn't matter if you are clever, you just want to feel clever. yeah, and I really liked the way that on certain rounds I was trying to squeeze out my turn. Mm. I was trying to be like, I don't want to end it just yet. I don't yeah. want to have this reset because mm-hmm. i I want to get higher up the Star track I don't
0: want to reach Kansas,
1: yeah, I don't want to go to Kansas yet. I've got more cows to find in the fields <laughs> and realizing combos i could do to be like well if i do that it gets me an extra worker which means i can do another turn next turn yeah especially then of course there were these little contract achievements we were trying oh, to yeah, yeah, try yeah. to wrangle for there was always room for being like but can i just eke out one yes. little last yes. bit um uh, surprising it was yeah. um it was a sort of game where i could have quite easily come away from being like it's fine mm. it's just another euro
0: but I think it's really solid and could be really good. I think it's I think it's very solid. I wanna play it again because we also uh there were some rules errors in our game of it, um where <laughs> one player had misunderstood one of the core rules of the game, which they quite quietly were allowed to misunderstand yeah. because it's a game where you're not paying yeah. attention to what other people yeah. were doing. Um so that that is, you know, speaks to the game in in a way. Um but I think that that was also exacerbated by the rulebook is not great that was a big you know immediate thing that made me think this wouldn't be very good and sure. it would be a little bit brass derivative it's because i flipped that that rulebook and went oh boy this yeah. is going to be tricky
1: but sometimes you have terrible rulebooks and good games yeah and that's difficult it is difficult and actually
0: that might link into the next game that we're going to exactly. talk about on this podcast put a sting in the penultimate game we're going to talk about on this podcast is Evacuation. This is another large, crunchy, heavy game, and I'm going to put it right out front, maybe unfairly, maybe fairly. The rulebook for this game is awful. It's one of the worst rulebooks I've read in a long time. I did not like it. It made me actively dislike the game before we even started playing it, which made the fact that it did turn me around, especially in its theme, very surprising. This is a game where you have a board that has two- Globes on it On one side You've got An earth And it's looking Real old bad Old globe
1: uh, uh, I don't want Old globe Mom. arid and polluted I want new
0: globe New globe is on the other side Of the podcast Little Matthew Delicious. Podcast? I meant to say bored What's the difference Between the podcast And the universe Yeah We oh, have boy. two planets two An old planets. one And uh, a new one A new one shiny Mm, delicious your goal in this game is to get everything off of the old planet and onto the new planet but you want to do it the best quick as well you want to do it best and quick quick because you only have four rounds to do it tom
1: you don't even really want to do it best
0: you want to do it quick (laughs) and that's one of the things i really
1: enjoyed about this game I was uh, different on this game from the start in the fact that Tom had had a hellish time with the manual. Awful. Um, awful. Absolutely awful. awful. Admittedly, you were also trying to learn a reasonably heavy and complex game after maybe us doing that every day, all day, for about, Nine days? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There it is was a the cost on the game brain, we played,
0: yes. But
1: also, terrible manual. But there was something about it, and I thought, this is interesting, this is odd, and I'm really glad we persevered, because gosh, what a strange game. What a weird game. It's effectively a Euro, where you are building an engine on a different planet, out of the engine that you have on the planet that
0: you start on. That's a very succinct way of explaining it.
1: You're just trying to shift an engine from one place to another. And I can't put my finger on it, but I'm sure I've played... Other euros that involve similar mm. things of trying to move an engine from A to B. Yes, in in a way that's in not parts. messy. Yeah. yeah, but I can't remember what those games are.
0: It's you have to dis- It's the disassembling that's interesting. Yes, in that you have at the start of the game, the old world is producing like. Huge amounts of resources that are very bountiful and you, you're you great. You like them, but you can't stay there No, because at the end of the game everything you don't move from that planet is going to cost you essentially points.
1: Yeah, and I'm just gonna put it out there. The whole planet's kind of gone orange. Yeah like you don't want a whole planet orange. You just bits of that's it. That's a bad color for just your just whole bits planet from to be.
0: space. I agree. So yeah, you're trying to uproot these little facilities or workers or populations that you have on one planet and move them over to the next in something that there's sort of some prime real estate on the second planet that you might want to yeah. snag first, which is where the most of the competition comes in. Um, so on your turn, you are going to be... Placing cards under actions. You know what, actually? I'm going to. I've started trying to explain this game. You don't really I need, don't to. need to. No, no, no. There is a lot going on. There are a lot of weird systems. There's like resource gathering and production that you got to do. You've got to build ships to move things from one to the other. You've got to research techs on your own little player board. You've got to do. All kinds of odd stuff that I'm not going to get into. You kind of fundamentally
1: got a lot of options of things you can do, but not even nearly enough time or resources to do do even like half of it. Exactly.
0: So I think what I'll do instead is I'll explain kind of the rough flow of it. Yeah. Which is that what you do at the start of the round is you collect all of your resources from your old and new planets and put them onto your board on the old and new spaces. You on your player board, the left side is new, the right side is old. So the resources have to be spent from where they're generated. Interesting, cool, weird, because that ties into the first thing you have to do every round, which is feed your people. Mm. At the start, all your people are on the old world. You have to pay five food to the old world from the old world.
1: Yeah, because that's where the food is. That's where they are. That's where the people are. It's not rocket science.
0: And as, (laughs) as the game goes on, you then have to spend food from different sides of the board at different times. As is common with all the resources in the game you mm. want to build a ship on the old world you've got to pay with you know resources from the old world you want to spend energy on the new world you've got to have energy on the new world uh you then take actions going around the table setting yourself up for what is the core phase of the game which is the transport phase mm. if you're not producing resources on one side you need to actually ferry them from one side to the other at the start of the game this is essential because you have nothing on the new nope. world so you need to load up your ships with loads of metal and energy and food but not too much because you might need a lot of that mm. next turn so you have to eke out the exact right portion that's going to go over to the new world spending energy to send that ship across and then you realize now that ship's over there it has to come back yep. and then you have to spend another turn getting it back over to then be able to use it again fascinating weird odd very very strange
1: super satisfying as super well satisfying. like as soon as you saw the boards yes and i just thought okay well this side of my player board where i put the cubes is this planet and yeah the other side of the player board where i put those cubes is another planet in like <laughs> maybe another galaxy or something yeah and then just having these cards with pictures of spaceships on the I was just having a wonderful time sliding them mm, across, being from like one side to the other. It's just going a really long
0: way. yeah, delightful.
1: And also, I think acted as a constant like state of hubris. I think if you had, like maybe, Something that involves you putting things on a shared board or something, Mm, Uh, it might get a little lost. But the fact that it's always sitting in front of you and only you as what you have on this planet and what you have on the other planet was such a reminder of the dumb mistakes I'd made. Yes, Of being like, watching as this thing I made on the first round just sat on the old planet and never got taken across (laughs) because I had such plans. I was like, and then I'll take this. And it's like, there isn't time wonderfully wonderfully upsetting as well to, yeah. to realize that you've you, you need a bit more metal to finish a project that's essential and you le- have it and you left it on the other planet <laughs> you, and you probably could home. have brought it yeah exactly but you actually brought too much food on your ship and like that's the sort of thing where most games you'd be like oh is it all well, if i on this but in yeah. this game i'd say no no <laughs> yeah because that's the game yeah it's not like oh i didn't optimize it it's like you are effectively trying to organise a fleet of lorries that are trying to get everything off the planet as cleanly as you possibly can under very difficult circumstances. And when you mess up, that feels great.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It,
1: it's like I can't feed people it's because real I did it stuff.
0: wrong. And I think that really feeds into like the actual victory conditions at the end of the game, which are so like like funny. Yeah, we all and lost, right? When yeah. we played, no one won. Mm no one cleanly won (laughs) right At at the end of the game it's basically like if a player has managed to get all their population over to the other side and has got like resources like good resource production and they've got like stadiums for their population yeah. to stay happy, then they just win outright. Yeah. If there's and a it means tie, multiple people can win, right? Right. Exactly. Multiple. Well, no, I don't think so. Cause if there's a tie, it's ah. happiness. Oh, okay. so it's who did it the happiest. But the thing is in our game, no one managed. No, them. no one cleanly did it. So it was instead of like who failed to get their people over the least. And yeah. like when that was a tie, it was just who's happiest. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and there's something really kind of like quite, comical but also quite sad oh, yeah. about the game coming down to like who left the fewest people behind but not even that it was who's people who are like in the new world that's all that matters who's happiest who yeah, forgot like, about the people that were How left? miserable
1: are these people right. it's like you did a bad job of vacuuming the earth but how miserable is everyone <laughs> yeah i, I really like that and it reminded me a lot of the first time i played pandemic of having sure. this, this puzzle to crunch at and having this this like loss condition that was so cruel of being like let's play it again, let's mm, play it again, we mm. can beat the game and that's obviously a decent setup for a yeah. co-op game of having something that's a little bit crushing, a little bit challenging you to go back and, yeah. and not do it bad, but having something that was competitive and doing that I thought was really interesting I agree. and having a game where it's like, okay we're all going to be trying to do this thing, at the end of it we're probably gonna, all going to have done quite badly but trying to achieve something collectively was really satisfying mm. even when you were failing yeah. in a way that most games... if The fact that it's a game where it's evacuation and not terraforming, you know, it's like (laughs) let's see who can optimally terraform a planet. The fact that it's like you got to get out of here now. (laughs) The game was fast as well; like you know, the the rounds flew by, Mm. and then before we knew it, the game was over. It's a four-round game, and we'd all left people on on the Earth. Yeah, and you know, you think, oh, we've done a bad job of that. (laughs) I I really enjoyed the shape of it. It it felt slightly different to anything I played before. Agreed. The interaction was mild but interesting, and the fact that it had a lot of stuff to do with um
0: getting to do things first was pretty huge i think um, if it had like heavy interaction outside of just being able to do things first oh, it would be impossible it would be impossible to play because the logistics puzzle is really hard yeah um yeah shown by the fact that we all lost <laughs> we yeah, all I, it. it wasn't like a game where you
1: could block people it was more a game where like for example in some of the early rounds i realized that the setup for things meant that i had limited access to some parts of the new planet mm. and because of that i knew i had to be quite in securing oh, the unpleasant yeah. parts of the planet yeah, that was because I was like well I can only get my people here which means I need to just be dumping stuff on, <laughs> on the, the worst real estate of this planet
0: because if I don't I might have a situation where I can't yeah and these th- people are stuck in orbit. Th- there's loads of like, and I think that maybe we're like underselling that there are some really like fabulously weird systems in this game, very like experimental odd systems that I've not really seen in Eurogames. No, like, exactly. There's that really interesting mechanic of not only like the first action in a turn is free, second action is also free, and then gradually they become more expensive, which you've seen in other Euro games. But then you combine that with this weird system where you're playing cards under slots labeled one through four, and then you total the number of all of your actions taken you add that all up and then if you meet a sort of goal that's set by the round you (laughs) get a little bonus so it's like well do i end there or do i spend more energy to maybe get not get that benefit oh again i
1: I think back to what we talked about in nucleum i felt like that actually was a crunch crunch reducer yeah because i go what do i do for my next turn and you're like well if i did an action was a two action then i'd land on seven so i get a bonus and you go okay i'll just do do one of those things
0: yeah because it's an easy decision because then you're like well I could take another action, but it would cost me like loads of energy, which is a finite resource. And it would make me not take that bonus action. Is it really worth it? No, done. Like you're you know, it, it's a quick transaction that you make in your but
1: planet. then the fact that these numbers also slingshotted you around this track, which would which kind of dictated your sense of how much you had transitioned from this first planet to the second yes. planet, and the fact that when you were on the first half of that track, you had to use all of your energy from your home planet. Mm-hmm. Then when you're in the middle, it's like, Well now Bit of you can do 50-50 yep. and then like all of your energy needs to be coming from your new planet. Yeah. Just interesting. And like stuff. that first
0: milestone like kneecaps your resource production Yeah, on that first world. But if you go far enough that resource production goes to the other world and it's like yeah just so much fascinating weird edges to that design it really
1: really it it, it, it was interesting and i think you know i'm glad we got to check it out and and cover it on this at least because like these sorts of things like the rough comes with the smooth sure it's funny you know this is the second time uh, i'll be mentioning it in this podcast but you know you you briefly mentioned earlier reviewing dark souls like (laughs) that is a really a poignant example for something that people forget sometimes. It's very easy now in the age of Elden Ring to forget mm. that those earlier games, your demon Souls-es, oh, and so souls, and even Dark Souls to a degree, took people who were passionate about them to give them a punt, to, yes. to broadcast them out and yeah. say, These things are broken. <laughs> but the ideas that they contain are fascinating enough that you should engage with them despite that. Like, you know, I had to really fight to get like, I think I got two pages in official Xbox magazine for that, my review. <laughs> because originally I got given a page, right, which was maybe like 200 words. Yeah, yeah, and I was yeah. like, I cannot do this. <laughs> also, it deserves more. But lots of people, including myself, like really had to fight for it. Yeah. It was like, because everyone was like, what is this rubbish? It looks awful. Yeah. And I think that we have been, really lucky for a few years i think to see uh very uh glossy games with well put together manuals right and, and companies and people who've had the resources to do that and sometimes it's fair for us to have those expectations especially if you're trying to make a game that is meant for really mainstream appeal yeah it's not acceptable to have a board game that's you know in your targets in your supermarkets that also <laughs> is like very badly put together very badly explained yeah However, as specialists, as people like us who really want to dig into the hobby and find interesting things, I think it's a, an important reminder that sometimes, if you have got these games that just been made by very small handfuls of people, sometimes you do have to push back. Yeah, some of the rough. I think so. Yeah. In order to find the ideas of tomorrow.
0: That's it's true. It's literally like I think that rulebook is really bad. It's like inexcusably bad. But I do agree that like pushing through it. Was very rewarding. And I'm I think glad that,
1: that you persevered through yeah, that on difficult your experience.
0: <laughs> I think that, um, and I just to cap that off is I think that like yeah, like what you said there about like there's this rise in very sleek, very polished Euro games that kind of issue innovation or mechanical difference for like safe bets. Mm-hmm. And I think that evacuation takes a lot of risks. Yes. And I think there's a lot of really weird stuff in there that I think is yeah, should be should be rewarded, should be heralded, should be excited. Uh, yeah, about. I'd be it's I'd great. love to
1: check it out again. And I kind of suspect that in a fair and good world, we you know might see a couple of years from now like evacuation like second edition, second edition yeah. which which could be like a real thing. Yeah. I there's a lot agree. of exciting stuff in it. Cool,
0: weird game. And finally, on this podcast, we'll talk about a very, very silly game. Not crunchy, not heavy, not difficult. It's Thunder Road Vendetta. We played this very early at PAX Unplugged. It was one of the first games that we played while we were there. And mm. we were like, you know what? We're jet lagged, we're sleepy. We need a game where we shoot cars with other cars. Yes. It was delightful. It was real fun. So, this is a game that is a race. Uh, a race in a game where you have cars with guns on them. Uh, the player who manages to survive the race and hopefully win, yeah. maybe win, <laughs> Yep. they just... If you win if you finish the race. Yes. Uh, the way that the end of the race is triggered is by one player's all their three cars getting completely yep. blown up. So it's like, you win by winning the race, but the race is infinite yes. until
1: someone somebody
0: dies. is completely dead. <laughs> and that will happen really quickly. Yeah. Um, this is a game where you have these cars that are on a track, and on your turn, you will roll some dice. You will use those dice to move your cars forward along the track. Um, if you slam into another car, you will... Let's talk about this first, because it's the most important feature oh, in this gosh. game. If you drive a car into another car, you will cause a slam, mm-hmm. where you then roll dice, and the cars will move around in pleasing and catastrophic ways. And
1: it's not even when you drive a car into another car. It's no. at any point a car ends up
0: in the same space as another car, which is going to happen all, the all time. of the
1: time, constantly.
0: Yep. Is there an oil slick, and you've skidded into a car? It's time for a slam. Has your car hit a landmine and taken some damage and careening it off into a weird direction? That slam, is a slam. slam. That's a slam, slam, time. slam It's slam, more slams. Slam. When do the slam stop? Have When either
1: maybe your car's just blown up and gone. Although maybe not, because sometimes the car then sits there as a kind of car corpse yes. that you keep slamming into. It's just slamming
0: It's just slamming Slam, 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 slam slam. And you know, honestly I was going to do like a sort of Play-by-play, turn-by-turn Of how this game works But honestly You can sort of best explain this game By the things that happen in it Yes Like my car got slammed by someone else Which caused it to hit a wall And explode Someone got shot by a helicopter Which caused their car to ramp off And fly out of bounds Leaving the game permanently Gone forever We had a game where there was An incredibly tense chase Between two dune buggies Only to drive into a ravine Where they bumped into each other And crashed into the wall. Yeah. It's Gone. ridiculous. It's Gone. just a game of explosions and shooting and guns and not really thinking about anything. No. It's daft. It's daft and I really like it. It's <laughs> uh, it has
1: just enough of a sensation of like I think I know what I'm doing yes. to make you feel like you know what you're doing when unfortunately no you don't. Um and I think it's just super visually thematic. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, obviously, I kept saying, this rock and roll racing on the Super Nintendo. And everyone kept looking at me in a way like, that made okay. me turn into dust. Yep. Um, however, I have since talked a couple of other people who remember that, a couple of oldies, a couple of older people who remember that, which made me feel better about myself. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, I think it's very telling that a lot of the time you have things where things should chain together in a way that you would expect Mm -hmm. in a game to be complicated. And of course, you look at the manual and being like, well, hang on a minute. I rolled these dice, which means that my car was going to move three spaces diagonally. But now I've hit this other car what happens? Do we do this and then carry on with the thing? We never checked, because you just have a vision in your mind of what would happen, yep. Yep. and then that
0: happens. Exactly. And it's I'm like, sure there are rules, but we didn't need to look at them. It was like, we were like, oh, what happens when you get slammed into a wall? What do you think happens when <laughs> you get slammed into a wall? Like, it's, it's the end of the line, gone. buddy. Yeah. You're going real fast on buggies. <laughs> and just yep. the
1: simplicity of the fact that everyone starts with three vehicles, a little tiny buggy, a medium one, and a big, chunky APC style yep. thing, they're all functionally the same, mm. except... The fact that the bigger ones are easier to hit when you're trying to shoot big. them with dice. Mm-hmm. When you shoot them with dice, whenever one of your cars on your turn ends its turn with something else in front of it that <laughs> you decide you would like to shoot, which again just means things are just getting shot at all of the time. Yeah. So it's marginally easier to shoot bigger targets. The advantage, though, is whenever you get two cars bumping into each other, whoever has the bigger car in the situation gets the option of re-rolling the dice mm-hmm. after they've been re-rolled. But only once. (laughs) And it means a lot of the time you like ram into something and you're like, yeah, I don't like that. I'll roll it again. And then it's even worse for you than it was. It's just dumb. Especially the fact that on this track you have these hazard tiles. Mm -hmm. That means that if you do manage to shoot ahead in the race and you are like, you know, on the road and getting the speed bonuses you get for staying on the road, which Mm -hmm. sometimes are small and sometimes are huge. Mm -hmm. It means that you have to go through all of the dangerous terrain first. And sometimes the danger tokens are just nothing. Yeah. Sometimes you flip them over and it's just
0: road. And I think that there's there's a sense that's instilled in you very early on of like the kind of game that it is, because it gives you three cars, and you're, like one of your cars might be dead on like round one, or yep. like round two when the guns are allowed. It's like they get blown up so quickly. And it's the kind of game where if you are in the lead, you'll be like, oh, you know what? I'll drive right over a Hazatar just to see what What's happens. What's the worst that could happen? And then the worst happens and that's completely fine. Yes. It's a game where you're constantly shooting at each other and slamming into each other where there are never any hard feelings ever. No. Nope. Because it's just like a destruction derby nonsense race. Yep. Um, It's great. It's yep. really good. It's it's really fun. It's yeah. really fun.
1: Like I think like the only problem I had playing the game is sometimes we couldn't find the right dice because there's like four different dice for different things <laughs> yes. in a way that's not overcomplicated but <laughs> everything is just constantly so chaotic and so moving that just trying to find like some fairly gigantic colorful dice mm. felt weirdly tricky in a, in an arena which was already so busy with just yes nonsense
0: yeah i love the way that you said it was so moving like i i think you were meant to like i get the sense of what you're saying is that everything was moving a lot but so moving makes it sound like <laughs> the, the the sort of fireballs in your mind were, were giving you a I mean it was it was evocative yeah and I mean even just the beautiful. fact that
1: when you go off the end of the track if nobody is completely dead and out of the game and yep. knocked out then you just add another bit of track it just wraps on, around and anything on the start of the track is now dead completely yeah.
0: again one of those rules of like well what happens if you of course it's dead what do you think happened I mean like, it's, it's it's again like micro machines. it yeah. felt
1: evocative of two of the greatest car-based games (laughs) of the Mega Drive era, (laughs) Micro Machines and Rock and Roll Racing. Just to to be clear, Rock and Roll Racing was never on the Mega Drive, it was on the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. It was one of Blizzard Entertainment's earlier uh, uh, earlier oeuvre. Also included Three Vikings, Olaf, that one of the three Vikings was playable in rock and Roll Racing using a cheat code. Very good. Please use game facts for further information. <laughs> uh, yeah, we recommend this
0: game if you want something really daft.
1: I mean, the box as well. I loved how svelte the little box was. Oh yeah, was. The oh, box, yeah. surprisingly the box is small, thin. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. It looks like a kind of like a you know a frame from a comic book, yep. um, or a movie poster. And yeah, the fact that you get like this big chunky fun in such a small box. Fantastic. More of that, please, because there is a so many infinite worlds in which this comes in a box that is the size of a pirate's chest.
0: (laughs) To be clear, I think it does if you get the like big Ultimate Expando Kickstarter. Oh, I'm sure,
1: I'm sure. But it's all about having an option for people who haven't completely lost all of their marbles. Mm. No offense if you've lost all of your marbles. I'm sure you can buy some more in the second Kickstarter. (laughs) Although having said that, I would quite like a couple of mini expansions for this because. At first, I was like, this doesn't need any expansions. It's a pure, simple, fun thing. And then I think you just went, yeah, but what about if your car had special things or you had a special
0: driver? And I was like, I want an expansion. Um, Really? it's like you just need to say things like explosive barrels and you're like, yeah, okay. (laughs) Just watching the
1: joy with which one person shoots ahead in the race because they rolled a slightly higher number on their dice and then everyone starts trying to throw helicopters at
0: them to blow them up. (laughs) It's very good. Yep. It's uh, it's popcorn, it's dumb, it's silly, I like it. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast. We will be back again very soon Whoa. with another episode. Probably not another episode of me and Matt talking about the games from PAX Unplugged. Maybe that not. Be, that'd be silly, wouldn't it? But the week afterwards. The week afterwards. Oh, there'll be another we're one. We're back. Oh. <laughs> like, can't escape us. It's
1: like a three-course meal, but you get a little bit of a break in mm. the middle before the dessert. Maybe yeah. you go for a walk around the block
0: and go, oh gosh, and loosen your belt a bit. Or maybe you just take your belt off. The thing that's crazy is I think the podcast that will come out the week after this one is where me and Emily talk about some games. But. I played those games at PAX Unplugged. We, I think we smashed it in terms of playing games. We played so many games. We played so many games. And I don't and think
1: you're only hearing about the ones that we thought were like interesting or cool. Yeah. Let's not talk about... Or even... Anything else you want to say? Yeah, I'd like to say that. I think...
0: And that's it. Jesus Just Christ. Just get rid of them. Excuse me? You heard me. Oh my god! Let's end the podcast.
1: Yeah. Thank you very much for listening to this second part in our trio of fantastic PAX unplugged game roundup explosion extravaganzas. You may have already guessed some of the games that we might get to come back to in a bigger form. Maybe you're going to buy some of them. Maybe we've already given you some hot tips on the, your favourite games of next year. And if you want to thank us for that, then yeah, we'll continue our little. Uh, Pax unplugged extravaganza with saying, hey, you can donate to Shut Up Sit Down if you'd like. Oh, yeah.
0: If you like what we do. I was confused about what you were doing there.
1: I'm just saying, hey, if you love what we do, you can chuck us a couple of quid if you can afford it on Shut Up Sit Down forward slash donate or close enough patreon.com forward slash silence. Just silence. That's good. That's good. Forward. Shut up and sit down. Bye bye. Bye.